Welcome back to another episode of Peach Fetty Presents, the podcast where we talk to creatives about their craft and how they've embraced their hustle. My name is Karina. I'm also known as Peach Fetty. And today I'm joined with Amy of Curious Papaya. Amy, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, hi, everyone. Thank you so much, Karina, for having me on. Of course. (laughs) Where are you actually based? Are you a U.S. maker or? Yeah. I am actually based in the Bay Area, California. So it's what we call like Silicon Valley where you find Google and Apple and all those things. Oh, yes, that's right. I have heard of that before. Yeah, yeah. So Bay Area, you said that's mm-hmm. that's where a lot is that where a lot of tech companies are. So is that considered yeah. a lot of like San Francisco, that type of area? Yeah. Um, well, I'm actually South Bay, San Jose based. Oh, okay. Um, I see. Yeah, but typically I, I feel like more people recognize San Francisco, but I feel like that's inaccurate when I say that's where I'm from. Oh, so I'm okay. Trying to say Bay Area, but yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Can I ask if you also went to school for art or anything like that? Hmm. Uh, you know, actually, I didn't, but I thought about it a lot when I was um, in high school and everything. I, I, I knew for sure I wanted to do something in the creative field, um, and that translated for me into teaching. And so, uh, but I did consider, you know, doing like being an art teacher and um but I never went to school for it in particular, no. Oh, I see. So you actually went to school to become a teacher mm-hmm. then. And then I did, yeah, in uh in Michigan actually. Wow, all the way in Michigan? What brought you back yeah. to the Bay Area? Well, actually I was born and raised there. And oh, uh, I see. I feel like there's a big um a lot more opportunities for artists out here on the West Coast, to be honest. Um, but for sure, that's where my roots are. I, uh, I grew up going to school there and everything and uh, went to college there for education, as I said, and then moved out here when I got a job here, actually. If you don't mind sharing, do you still do you mm-hmm. still work like a full time job in education? And are you just mm-hmm. doing Curious Papaya as a side <laughs> hobby or are you doing Curious Papaya as a full time yeah. job? Yeah. Um, so I I started my Instagram page a couple of years ago when I first learned, kind of as like a portfolio or like somewhere to keep all my my, my creations, you know, pictures of them. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I I, I uh, took last year off because I had a baby. Oh, um, I see. <laughs> I saw that. Congratulations. That's exciting. Yeah, she she's a pandemic baby. So, uh. um, <laughs> you know. Things with schools was um, right. pretty messy. You know, we didn't know if we were reopening in person. And I, I ultimately, that was the goal. And we know that distance learning was a challenge on everyone, um, especially, you know, the kids. Of course, they come first. And uh, I just uh, just decided that was what would be best for our family, though, to just extend my leave. Um, just, you know, to be sure, because you know, every other day the reports were fluctuating. Right. Uh, this is back in like, you know, the holiday seasons, season, I mean. And um, yeah, so this year I'm not teaching, but normally I do and I am expected to resume. Oh, so this I past see. year has been a unique one where I've really been able to just, you know, stay at home and pour out a lot of my time and energy into building um my small biz to be what it is that is so cool what what interesting challenges and you know different 
I don't know, different opportunities, the pandemic, I guess the panini, I guess some people would say, has really brought. <laughs> um, for for school itself, I know you said you went to school for education, but when you do go back to teaching, are you teaching younger yeah. kids as well? Or are you like teaching more yeah. older students? Yeah, well, I'm an elementary school teacher, so that varies um, grade level depending on uh, the year. Um, but yeah, I've been teaching uh, low actually fourth grade yeah for the oh past okay years. I see. And I'm, I'm gonna be continuing to teach fourth grade um and I love it I absolutely love it they're so fun for sure that's amazing <laughs> would you would you say that some of your inspirations for your brand now are influenced mm-hmm. a lot by you know younger kids and you know the learning modules and things like that you know how there's so many like different colors and so many cute things and stuff (laughs) yeah definitely um I mean I personally you know just love the bright pastels myself right me too me too and like a lot of the things that I make um but it's fun to be able to be creative with my students and you know they inspire me because they're they're all like gung-ho about it and they love doing arts and crafts oh I bet I remember in fourth grade, I loved stuff like that. So I can definitely see why. Right. And so, you know, it's just fun to create with them. And um, definitely they do inspire me. They keep me going. And yeah, I mean, they love like little plushies, you know, Mm -hmm. they go nuts over them. And like, um, I definitely don't think they're reserved for just kids. Like the little Uh squishy plushies, like they make everybody happy. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Definitely. I think with that as well, in particular, do any of your students know that you do this on the side? Like, do they know that you crochet? Because mm. Curious Papa- Papaya, sorry, Curious Papaya, um, your brand is really like crocheting, um, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't really yeah. know how to say this, Amigurumi? Is that yeah, what it is? Yeah, you it pretty well. Oh, cool, yeah. cool. Cool, I like <laughs> that. It's a Japanese word, so we're pretty much all but- butchering it, you know? Uh-huh. I'm sure, sure it's like, yeah, we're just like totally like amigurumi. Yeah, oh, of course. Amigurumi. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, they do. Um, I was not really that well known, I would say, last year. Um, since, you know, I just started doing this full time pretty much within the last few months. Uh, but they do know of it because I would share photos of the things I made and bring it in for my turn for show and tell. Oh, that's <laughs> they, so precious. They would love that. Yeah, they would love touching it and squishing it. And, you know, they'd be like, can I buy that? And I'd be like, no. Probably not selling to the kids. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done any, I guess, craft-related amigurumi classes for the kids? Or do you think it's too complex I suppose Ah, I feel like by you know fourth grade is a good age to start it and to grasp it um but no I I haven't tried that yet but if the opportunity came up I would love to I I do teach other forms of like workshops and stuff here in the bay area Mm -hmm. um through a company I work with um, so not under my own brand, but under a company called The Woobles. And yeah. Oh, so I that's teach super cool. Wow. You're, mm-hmm. I think that is a dream for a lot of people to be able to incorporate a lot of their interests and <laughs> hobbies into, you know, their daily life. And that is super cool and super inspirational yeah. that you're 
able to do such a thing. That's awesome. Thank you. Of course. It was just a part of the grind this year. It's not a normal year for me. Oh, yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm glad that you found light in it, though. I know it's Mm -hmm. been tough for a lot of people, so that's that's really cool. I wanted to ask why the name Curious Papaya, though. Do you like papayas? Mm -hmm. Is it a family thing? I do. There's a story behind it. Oh, okay. Let's hear the story. Yeah. So originally, I had a different name. It was Ami by Amy. Something pretty generic, kind of like the craft and then, you know, the artist's name that's a lot of the format I mean that's a pretty common format I mean right right yeah but um I mean by Amy started to transform because I was trying to make my you know name and my Instagram page more than just crocheted goods I wanted to branch out into ceramics and everything and I was kind of dabbling here and there um so I couldn't just be specific to amigurumi if that makes sense oh Um, I see yeah, I think I definitely wanted to think of something that was short and sweet, something unique, easy to remember, and um, definitely, you know, being creative and, and thinking about creativity as a child, right? Um, it all starts with curiosity. And so I really liked that that word, the adjective, you know, and I wanted Curious, to Curious, yes. How. Yeah. And then the papaya part. It's just fun to say if you think about it, right? It's papaya, so papaya. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, it's a cute sounding word. It's not a very cute looking fruit, but <laughs> yeah, it, it just reminds me a lot of uh, a memory I have with my dad. Just like, I remember such a distinct memory of me being really small, like counter countertop what's it called like height pretty uh-huh, much and I was uh-huh. like, what is that when he was cutting oh. it open and I just remember really liking the taste of it even though I thought it was so weird looking papayas are weird looking though yeah, the yeah. Seed, right yes, it's yes. like that's gonna trigger someone uh-huh and bad <laughs> papayas really don't taste good at all it can't no. for me they can't be salvaged so I know uh, what you mean yeah. yeah yeah so that's that is how curious papaya came to be and it's fun because it's like I, I get so surprised when people refer to me as that, like mm-hmm. in real life, I mean, because I'm like, oh, wow, like you remember it and you know me by that. It's like, it's so touching. <laughs> that's so cool that that's how you came up with your name, though. I find yeah. I always find that, you know, a creator or a business like name mm-hmm. where its origin comes from is really important because you can right. really tell where it comes from, you know, what. Right how you view yourself, how you view your brand, mm-hmm. how you view your craft. And so Agreed. I, I love how Curious Papaya is really linked to like your childhood memories and that curiosity. Yeah. And I really like, you Thank know, papaya. You. The word is really funny too, but yeah. I think it's really cute. And yeah. I'm Agreed. sorry I- to old Amy, but I do like Curious Papaya better than Ami <laughs> by Amy. So No offense taken. Thank you. <laughs> of course. What about how you got started crocheting? When did this start? Yeah, well, um, so I started pretty late in life. It wasn't some, I picked it up in my adult years um, in 2018, actually. Um, I was kind of like motivated from a couple of my friends having babies and being artsy and crafty. I, I love, you know, trying out different art forms like 
I did knit a little bit. Not I wasn't very good at it, but you know, basic scarves or like ceramics or painting and all of that stuff. I, I just love it. And um, I wanted to make something for them. And then so I was like, hey, I'm going to try this new hobby. It was actually really therapeutic because that was the year that I had a really, really stressful year of teaching. Oh, like, I see. I'm not going to lie. It's not always rainbows. And right, rainbows, right. You know? Um, yeah, I was, I was really, really burnt out and, um, well, just having like that craft to distract me and kind of like, you know, just relieve some of that stress was such a lifesaver. Um, I, I started by like watching YouTube videos on like a f- one fourth of the speed and like just oh. watching hours and hours trying to teach myself that way. And, um, you have to actually count and focus on, you know, keeping count uh, when you're doing each stitch. So it's really hard to think about other stuff. And I oh, think that I see. Easy. So it, it kind of <laughs> it kind of forces you to focus mm-hmm. on what you're doing instead of having your mind yeah. wander. Yeah, wow. exactly. At least I for us. That. Really. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I think when you're making blankets and whatnot, it's more of a repetitive moment. And yeah, you can be watching a show or something. But for me, yeah, when it's amigurumi and you're like designing the shapes and the curves and the edges, everything requires your attention. So yeah, Aww, that's good. I love it. Mm-hmm. Aww, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're able to find joy in that and that you're still <laughs> continuing to do it. I find it incredible. You've only been doing this for three years. For three years, I know. It feels like it's been a lot longer. Um, but I mean, was- like, your work is so good. Oh, thank you. Three years, it looks really, really, really polished. Like, I, when I stumbled upon your account, I was like, girl, you must have been doing this for like 10 oh, years wow. at least. I'm very oh, impressed you with so your much. skill. Yes. Yeah, I, um, I think it's crazy because the vast majority of designers that you see on Instagram, um, I would say crochet designers, they've only been at it for a couple of years. You know, that's, that's the nice thing about this craft that it doesn't take forever to master. And, um, in general too, though, I'm not going to lie. I poured out a lot of time into practicing. So that's part of it, right? It Uh it wasn't like, you know, walk in the park per se, but like, I definitely messed up a lot. I got stuck a lot. I had to ask a lot of questions, but I think all of that constructive criticism helped me to, uh, you know, improve and understand like how to make the shapes I wanted. And once you have that basic knowledge, Mm -hmm. it's kind of, you know, it takes off from there. It's just easy to go where you want it to go. So take me through the process of crochet. So I work with clay. So if I were to mess up on clay or something, like, I don't know, accidentally get lint on something, accidentally forget to wipe my hands after using like a red and then touching a white, I have to, you know, kind of start over or, you know, break off a new piece. But how... How do you how do you how do you do that with crochet? Because I know that you are mm-hmm. taking kind of like, uh, I don't know. I'm a noob, like a stick, right? <laughs> You're just like weaving through. What do you do if you make a mistake? What do you do if there's like you know you mess yeah. up? Yeah. Well, it's pretty much impossible not to mess up. Um, so hopefully that's of some reassurance to anyone who's thinking about trying it out. Like 
it's definitely you you skip stitches or you end up with the uh-huh. wrong stitch count all the time and so we have a word for what we have to do and it's called frogging and frogging basically means you just unravel your work until you reach a point of where you, you oh know, man that would take right? some time i know and like yeah, it could be quite the challenge because you might notice your mistake and like at the very end when you're done. And, you know, some people can live with covering it up and others will have to unravel all the way until you get to that, you know, mistake. <laughs> when you make a mistake, usually, is it easy to cover up? Or hmm. most times you have to go back and unravel? Yeah, I... It depends on the situation. I think rather than wasting all of my efforts, I still try to turn it into something still, you know, usable or like uh-huh. pleasant to look at. So I have my ways. I have my tricks. <laughs> if I'm like missing a stitch, basically what that does is it creates a hole in your stuffed animal. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, you, you know, you can cover it up with like accessories or a bow um, but I do, I do know a lot of people who like have to undo everything. Ah, um, uh, that yeah. sucks. It's, it's different though. When I'm designing stuff, for sure, I'm doing more unraveling than mm-hmm. I am actually crocheting most of the time. So yeah, it's a tedious process. Ah, uh, that's, uh, oh my gosh. I just, I, <laughs> that would take, that would drive me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a lot of fun too. I should add that. I, I'm glad that you do find joy in it. So it's not, you know, it's not something that Torting is, myself yeah, for fun. Yeah. For sure. That's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. For let let's say let's say someone wants to start trying to crochet. Mm-hmm. Would you say it's very expensive? What would you recommend for, mm-hmm. you know, someone who's kind of looking into it? Would you um, I mean, I know for myself, like if I were to recommend anyone to start doing polymer clay I wouldn't tell them to go buy every single block of clay Ah, colors so it's expensive I feel you um it's definitely a craft that grows with you is what I would say and to start off all you really need is a hook and a ball of yarn you know and having Mm -hmm. a specific project in mind is always helpful so that way you know you can narrow down what you need for it and I found that when I first started out I was like okay I'm gonna need you know, these three colors, and then I would want to try a different project. And I would, you know, just slowly build as I continued, you don't have to get the whole rainbow straight off the bat, especially if you don't know if you want to commit to it. Um, But the nice thing is most yarn that you can find at, you know, like Michael's or Joanne, they're pretty affordable. Um, Yeah, so it's not too bad. I feel like you can get started honestly with 10 bucks, you know, that's good. I think for yeah. some of our listeners, they'll be pretty excited to hear that. So that is great news for It was the perfect them. pandemic hobby, for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> I can definitely see that. Yeah. <laughs> what is the difference um, between amigurumi and yeah. knitting? Ah. Or, you know, it's it, mm-hmm. for someone like me, it looks the same almost, but I'm not right. sure. Yeah, definitely. Um Well, amigurumi is the Japanese art of making crocheted small plushies. That's a very Google definition. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, and um, 
Uh, it typically uses a little more yarn than knitting. It's more structurally sound. This is funny because this is this. These are the lines I rehearse when I'm doing my workshops. Actually, so. <laughs> <laughs> you put me on the spot here, but I'm, I'm good. Yeah, um, you're doing you're this, doing great. So yeah, you're doing great. No worries. Yeah. and like with knitting, you can technically come up with a lot more kind of designs, and that's why you have more you know clothing items or garments that are knitted versus crocheted. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is the needle stick thing different though? Yeah. Yes, it is. So crocheting uses a hook, the stick thing, and then it's only one stick, I guess you could say, whereas knitting is with two needles and, um, it's a very different motion. Like it's, you might have like a little background knowledge if you're switching between the two crafts, but like for me, I don't really know how to knit. Just because I know how to crochet, if that makes sense. Oh, I was going to say there's probably, and I'm not sure because I am i don't do either, but I'm guessing mm-hmm. there might be maybe some type of assumption that people who mm. crochet also know how to knit. Is that is that true? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like hands down, <laughs> most people do not know what crochet is. If you ask them, they'll be like, oh, yeah, like the knitting thing. You know, that everyone refers to it. Even, like, my closest friends, they still think that I knit. <laughs> like, uh, I don't own a pair of needles. <laughs> so it's, oh, it's a running man. joke in the crochet community of, like, you know, just uh, people will never acknowledge it for what it is. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm, I'm glad you can take it in stride, though. That was just yeah. so funny. but yeah, so frustrating. That's fine. What about your style and your inspiration? Is there is there like a certain artist that you look up to for your Amigurumi projects? Oh my gosh. Well, there are so many. I I wish I had time to actually prepare shout outs for you. I I there's so many. Yeah. Just um I think what I admire most, just generically speaking, mm-hmm. generally speaking, I mean, <laughs> like is when you look at someone's work and without even seeing like the name that it's posted on or whatever, you can recognize who made it. Ah, you know, style. Um, yeah. Like, so there are certain artists that have really, you know, spent that time uh, exploring what unique style makes their work uh, distinct. And uh, whether it's like the way that they do their faces or whether it's their color palette or whether, you know, it's their photography style, um, all of those things are factors. Mm-hmm. And um, when I see someone's work where I'm like, oh, I know who made this, you know, that's what I aspire to to be. And that's it is it's what inspires me. Yeah. Oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Um, wow. I'm that, sorry. That really I wish I, I prepared like shout out so I could give specific <laughs> examples. No, you're good. I know there's lots of people who crochet in the community too. Um, but mm. I just thought I just thought I'd I'd see who you know the type wow. of people who inspire you and things. That's super cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna backtrack a little bit, and it's kind of related to what we just talked about. I know different art communities have different sets of problems with mm. things like this, but mm-hmm. is there such thing in the crocheting community with like art theft? <laughs> Abs- 
style theft. I don't know. <laughs> okay, this is wow. good. This will yeah, be good. Yeah. So unfortunately, um, it happens more often than you might think. A mm-hmm. lot of people forget that we're real people and uh, that we spend a lot of time and energy and you know poured out our hearts into making a design. And there are lots of people who just ruthlessly steal your designs. They take your pictures, edit out your watermarks. Oh, um, they might even rewrite your patterns and then like, you know, claim like that they you know put their copyright on it and be like, absolutely no one is allowed to copy or steal this design. What? That's uh, messed yeah. up. It's not even oh, theirs. Oh, yeah. And a lot of these like people stealing artwork actually or these patterns I should say um like it happens in other countries yeah and that's kind of harder to stop Mm -hmm. to be honest there's so many like Chinese websites that steal a lot of free oh for sure yes yes um but the other problem is like crochet designers accusing uh other people of stealing their own designs and Sometimes I understand, like, I understand it. It is legitimate and mm-hmm. it does happen. Um, but for the most part, like, if both people are making a donut or something, I don't know. I'm just using right. an example. It's like they're both basing it off of what a donut looks like. Uh-huh. You know? And I don't know if I can necessarily say, like, that's a legitimate mm-hmm. accusation because people get riled up and sometimes it gets nasty. Like, people will call each other out publicly and try to get their <laughs> followers to back them oh, up, and then sad. they'll defend themselves, and it happens, like, a lot, and I I try to, like, you know, understand the situation, and I would hate if it happened to me, and so I respect that they're taking, you know, like, the necessary steps that they think they need to, uh, mm-hmm. but oftentimes I'm like, I just think to myself, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's, it's a donut. Like you didn't invent a donut. <laughs> right, right. It happens so much. But when it's like a malicious, very, very like uh like black and white situation of mm-hmm. like, yeah, my pattern was stolen, my idea was stolen, like it's really awesome because actually people in the community are very supportive and they will help you report it or, you know. That's good. Yeah, they've got your back in other words. But yeah, it's it's like a double-edged sword. It's very interesting because it seems to me as I've, you know, been around the community a bit more, like <laughs> yeah. in the clay community and dabbling a little bit in supporting and buying like resin molds and stuff from some artists. It seems like yeah. this type of thing is sadly a lot more common yeah. than you would expect it. I know. In the clay world too? Yeah clay a lot um, like what, what happens there i'm really curious uh, I, I don't feel like i can speak for a lot of people i i have had a lot of some of my mutuals have things and ideas copied from mm. them myself included but for me personally the way i felt about it is you know if it's someone that you can tell is very 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 young mm-hmm. and just starting out and they're not trying to be malicious a part of me is just kind of too lazy to really yeah. do anything about it. And then a part of me is like, well, we are, we all kind of started somewhere, you know? 
Uh, I, I kind of, yeah, I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. I think some people don't recognize what stealing artwork is. Exactly. Um, but it comes to a point where you can't just claim it exactly. anymore, you know? And um, yeah, it, it's for all kinds of art forms, I feel like, as you said, especially with like, I heard with like t-shirt printing. Oh, like, t-shirt printing is like, really bad. Yeah. All the time. But like with crocheting, I think the reason why like, People are more like fiery when their stuff gets stolen, myself included. Like mm-hmm. it's because you're designing each stitch by stitch. You're designing right. row by row. And it's not like you can just, you know, screenshot a picture and then reprint it and call it as your own. You know, it's it's totally, there's a lot more labor involved, I want to say, with designing a pattern. Right. And unfortunately, yeah, some people... They like, they, I've heard of situations where people buy patterns and then rewrite it and call it their own. That's so horrible. It's shady. It's shady. And like, honestly, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to be super fixated on that, but I want to make my stance. No, no, I understand. (laughs) I understand. And I, I think it's also, um, I also think it's kind of like, if it's like a one-time thing and it's from someone real young. I'm one of those who, who maybe maybe you'll relate. Well, they'll just kind of like brush it off. But then, if someone's actually being malicious about it and they yeah. just want to make money or they want clout, and mm-hmm. you see this behavior and this pattern and it persists, probably oh. sorry persists. Then I know, <laughs> I know that I'm like, okay, I'm not good with this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, art theft will always bother me. I feel especially like the situations that you've described where people will take your pictures and like crop out your watermark and post it as their own. Mm -hmm. That is especially inconsiderate and heinous because they just want clout and they don't understand the amount of time and work, right? That it goes into creating said thing and then taking Mm -hmm. credit for it. Right. So I hundred percent. I recognize too, though. That's like it's not going to go away overnight. Like, right? There's nothing new under the sun to begin with, but still, like, huge companies get into lawsuits over this. It's it's all mm-hmm. over. Yeah, that's the struggle. Yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> Definitely frustrating. Um, have you had or how have you dealt with situations like that? Because I, mm-hmm. I know most of my artist friends have dealt with art theft before so -hmm. have you ever had a situation where someone has tried to sell any of you know your your patterns or anything like that yeah so well I did have you know a person like you said who looked like they might have they might have been a kid you know their profile on Instagram wasn't really established you could tell and, um, yeah, I mean, they were stealing a bunch of my pictures and reposting it on their grid. But the thing is, I, I found it only because they were tagging me and commenting on all of my, my posts. That's weird. <laughs> it's like they so want attention. That's why I was like, okay, I don't think this person's trying to be malicious. Uh, if they were trying to, like, sell things and all that, yeah, I would definitely, like, you know, mm-hmm. first approach that person and you know, ask them to take my stuff down. Um, but I've heard from a lot of crocheters, like how often it happens and how draining it can be. And they just exercise their rights. They just report them or whatever. And, 
you know, Etsy or, or Instagram or whatever platform they're using will just take it down. And sometimes, you know, they get banned or blocked and oh yes. well, yep. I don't think I've had to deal with it that seriously yet, but yeah, I know people who have for sure. That's really frustrating. Just mm-hmm. dealing with stuff like that is so, it's so stressful. Uh, it's, it's usually not the designers themselves who find it. Uh, uh-huh. directly but it's like their followers who say like hey like I saw someone else posting a design that's like exactly the same as yours you know and that's how I found out that one of my free patterns was reposted without my permission um it happens all the time yeah ah uh, that's so sad I don't one of those things where it's like you can let it destroy you or you can you know just try to move on, I suppose. Yeah, just like yeah, just like do what you can to exercise your rights. And if it's something serious, obviously, you know, don't just like let it go because that's why these people continue to do what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in my situation that I mentioned, it wasn't that big, so I just blocked that person. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, because they were removing my watermarks. That's what was weird. Yeah, that. Mm, that's not it wasn't cool. like out of admiration it was like i'm gonna steal your work but i'm gonna tell you that i'm stealing it <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> I just know. weird i i don't understand how that works yeah people were like joking and they were like that's how you know you've made it big i'm like oh, but it doesn't please. feel good though. yeah it does not, not feel good yeah. with your patterns as well i i noticed that some of your patterns you did say that they're for free what what is the mm-hmm. reasoning for that why not why not sell your patterns? Yeah, I so I started more seriously writing patterns last holiday season around um, November, I would say. And to sell the patterns, I, I learned, you know, through experience that you need to kind of, how do you say, get your name out there and also give a chance or give people the chance to kind of get to know your writing style and, you know, like, to test the waters and see if you're credible or not. Oh, um, I see. Believe it or not. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of lousy patterns, written patterns out there where things are unclear and all that. So I think having free patterns gives people the opportunity to enjoy your creations and like, you know, kind of give them the opportunity to actually support your designs through like buying the paid ones sometimes. Oh, um, so yeah. Does that mean that you have a combination of paid and free ones on your site or is it just? Yeah, I do. I do. And I think um, a lot of designers, including myself, do that not only to, um, it's like part of it is for publicity, you know, Um, nothing is free, but it is free to those people. Like we get um, paid elsewhere. Some people have ads on their site right right and on website clicks and that's pretty common for anyone who owns a website actually you know that's cool Um, I never really like thought about it like that but (laughs) I am glad that you are getting some type of compensation yeah yeah uh, definitely it's yeah It, it kind of like allows new people to discover you too um I rec- like when I first started out, like I was only searching for free patterns, you know, because I. Oh, yeah, because you're yeah. just starting. When yeah. you're just starting, you don't really know like what the difference is between well written patterns versus not well written. And it's kind of hard to like make that investment, especially if you're trying to make like 10 different things at once, you know? So it adds up for some people. And, um, but yeah, I definitely do like, I, I still do love 
you know, supporting other designers and buying from their sites. Yeah. Yep. It's about supporting, you know, other small businesses in the community. So I'm glad that you're still, you know, uplifting, sorry, uplifting other content creators and stuff. That's a really good thing. Mm -hmm. What about how you decide, like how much to price the patterns that you actually sell? Mm -hmm. Like what is, what is the, what is the criteria for you to be like, oh, I'm going to price it X amount and things like that. For sure. Um, Well, when I was first starting out, I knew I was first starting out. So (laughs) I knew that there would be room for improvement. And because of that, I charged for a lot lower. Oh, Um, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, and um, also it was just a way to like, again, invite more people to kind of take that chance with me and check out what my writing style is like and what my designs are like. Um, cause you know, if you see something on sale for 50 cents, for instance, right? Like you're more willing to just like be like, Hey, let's check it out versus adding something to your cart. That's like five bucks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I always use testers nowadays. Whereas when I first started out, I wasn't, um, testers oh. are, um, other crocheters. Yeah. Who kind of proofread, proofread and comb through your work. And then they give you feedback about any errors they found or directions that were unclear. And like that's helped me to fine tune my patterns a lot more where, you know, confidently I can charge what I know they're worth, you know? Oh, wow. That's cool. I didn't know that there were like Mm. quality assurance people behind the scenes helping you. That's pretty cool. I like that. um, Most of these people are just uh, people who volunteered and who I've connected with through Instagram, which is why... Like, I'm super grateful to have that community, you know. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. What exactly do crochet patterns look like, I guess? Oh, well, it's it can be like a PDF form. Um, and then basically when you're making amigurumi, it's built uh-huh. like in rounds, what we call rounds. And if you imagine like a stacking toy where there's like coils or rounds, you know, that make like, um, like take a snake for instance or something and then coil mm-hmm. it up to look like a pyramid or something. That's kind of similar to what you're doing with amigurumi. You're working in a spiral. And um, so the pattern will be written in that way where it's like in round one, you're going to do these stitches. Round two, you're going to do these stitches. And yeah. Is is this that thing where it looks like a square graph and there's like an X, X, O, O? Is that what that uh, is? So there are, there, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking is, about. Am I on the same path like crochet here? graphs? Yeah. Maybe. You sure. are. And okay. I feel like that's not really common in Amigurumi. Oh, um, okay. That's more like you're making like um like a something else yeah is that like that hats and stuff or something i feel like i've seen them uh, somewhere but i'm not sure i'm not sure what they are yeah so those crochet graphs are basically like symbol picture symbols and they all correspond with like a certain type of stitch you're supposed to do yeah so in some ways if you know how to read them they're actually much more clear than written uh instructions um but yeah for amigurumi it's not very common so not gonna lie, I'm not super great at reading those. 
like I have to refer to like the the key or the legend a lot when I'm trying That's, to decipher them. That is super cool. I just I was like maybe it's this, maybe it's not. Although, cool yeah, that you've seen that before. Uh huh. I think I have opened the book before when I was at Barnes and Nobles in the crochet section. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I just close it. But yeah, I know. It's like very daunting to see that. I agree. It's intimidating too. So I think that's that, that's a big that's a big thing. Yeah. I want to know about your Gertrude chick. Nah. My little grumpy chick. Yes. I want to know about her. <laughs> well, um, so I got together with a couple other amazing crochet designers that I look up to um, and who inspire me so much. Um, and basically, we hosted something called a crochet along or a cow. Oh, yes. Along. I was going to ask about that, yeah. too. This is oh, <laughs> Yes. This will be our two-in-one, I guess. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and Gertrude, well, uh, I should back up. Our original idea was, you know, it's around spring. Okay, there's going to be a lot of like bunnies and chicks and, you know, all those cute little animal patterns mm -hmm. coming out around this time. Um, and then so we wanted to kind of like do something fun and a little bit different. And when I was thinking of like, okay, I'm going to make this chick, I didn't know how to make her special. You know, there's a lot of really cute, like oval shaped chicks that exist already out there. Mm -hmm. and. Um, I think I realized, like, it was, she was like an accident that was born, you know? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. she, like, she kind of, like, had her own personality. And it was so funny because, like, people just uh, – she ended up being really popular, which I am so grateful for. Um, I think they thought she was very quirky and just um, – I was inspired by, like, Korean ajumas. Oh. And, um, <laughs> so for our listeners, that word – it refers to a specific like type of elderly, middle-aged Korean woman. So it's kind of like a trope a little bit. <laughs> kind of, right? And yes. I was thinking like, okay, I'm thinking of all my like friends, friends, parents, their lovely mamas and, you know, all these other mamas in my life that I grew uh -huh. up with. And yeah, I just thought like, oh, they're always like nagging and like in a cute way, you know, I wanted to, to translate that on, on Gertrude and yeah, so so she was born and she was offered as a free pattern for this crochet along event. And um yeah, I guess like as more and more people were making her, like they were reaching, uh -huh. you know, a new audience who also were like, Oh my gosh, she's so funny and she's so cute, I wanna make her too. And um yeah, I, I was like preparing for uh an upcoming art fair where I have to like get all these business cards and stuff mm -hmm. in place. And I was like, yeah, how can I rebrand myself? Cause I was wanting a new logo for a long time. And then before I knew it, I was like, you know what? She's like chosen to be my logo. She's chosen to be my mascot. And so <laughs> <laughs> represents me today. Yeah. There's a picture on your Instagram feed. I'm looking at it now. It looks like a yeah. bunch of Gertrude's. I think it was like your day 15. Is that all Gertrude or is oh, that just like one Gertrude and like Gertrude's brothers and sisters or something? <laughs> That's my, uh, I guess, I guess they're all Gertrude, right? They're all uh, of Gertrude, I suppose. And yeah, I, I just pulled it up to look at it too. I, I told myself I was going to create a Gertrude army for this upcoming craft fair mm -hmm. so that people could adopt them. 
And um, the original what is the one on the left, the smallest one. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then the rest are made with chunky, like big blanket yarn, and they're like a foot big, I guess you could say. Yeah. So how how long does it take to make the smallest Gertrude, and how long does it take to make the biggest one? Hmm. I would say about the same time. Really? Wow. Yeah. So that's a big misconception a lot of people have that um, something about size, like, you know, it it all just depends. Cause like if I made a thread Gertrude, like out of like sewing thread, that would probably take me longer than um, that big one that you see on the right of that picture. Oh, okay. Um, The reason being, um, I mean, if I'm doing a thousand stitches, it's still a thousand stitches, you know, and um, thread would just be more finicky. I would probably mess up a lot more. (laughs) Oh, I see. So, yeah. So it's all about the same because it's about the counts of how many stitches you're doing at the end of the day. Right, right. And um, she's a, I made her purposely pretty simple to make since I knew that a lot of other people would be also following suit. And, um, but I think she probably took me about, three hours, maybe two hours to make two to three hours. That's if like I'm working nonstop though, uninterrupted, which as you know, with a a baby, baby, baby. kind of impossible. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I'm working here and there throughout the day and especially at night um, when she's down. So yeah, two to three hours. That's that's precious. I'm I'm looking at, you know, the videos that you're making too. Mm-hmm. And even with the the kind of video that you made for that Gertrude picture, because you're coloring and drawing over it. Yeah. <laughs> how how do you get your inspiration for the type of like video content that you create? Because I know it's not oh, easy for a lot of people. So Oh well, um first I guess I'm just like, thank you for liking them. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> do though. <laughs> a lot of people do. That means so much to me. I honestly, I'm learning as I go. I'm building the plane as I'm flying it. Oh, I've heard that before. (laughs) But that's kind of like, man, sometimes that's when the best inspiration comes. And um, yeah, I lately I used to like be able to queue up my posts and I had a bunch in line. I didn't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. But nowadays it's like I have to work with inspiration on the go. And like, I'm like, all right my work time is when my baby's down for her nap. Oh, I see. And then, so I'm just like, I'm working with a time crunch. And, um, basically I just like, I don't have a plan. Like (laughs) I might have a vision per se. Like I'm talking about, you know, thinking of colors Mm -hmm. or maybe thinking of poses or props to use. Um, but in terms of like the videos, it's all very organic. Um, it's similar with the way I teach, you could say. Oh, okay. <laughs> like very much like reading the situation and, uh, you know, trusting your expertise in a way. I'm, I should backtrack. I'm not an expert at making <laughs> videos. Uh, yeah. Cause even like for the ones with audio, uh-huh. uh, like the Tip Tuesday videos, um, that's like on the fly. I'm thinking of what to say as I'm recording it. And, um, yeah. I mean, so- sometimes the algorithm is weird. Sometimes you'll have videos that you don't 
personally feel like are your greatest, but they will explode. And other ones that you feel like you may work really hard on oh don't explode. Tell so, me about it. That's yeah. like every creator's. Yeah, <laughs> it's so whoa, hard to right? We're always complaining about that. Yep. I feel like um, talking about algorithm. Oh my gosh, our favorite word. It's always oh boy, changing. yes, yes. You know, and we know that, and it's like once we figure it out, it's like it changes again. And I think a part of that is like because the the Instagram itself is rapidly changing, like what mm-hmm. it's used for. Like you know, a few years ago, it's pretty safe to say that businesses and all that weren't that big on here. Um, it's more for personal use. Yeah. Maybe. Right? Yeah. Yes, and then, yes. you know, the public figures and like, you know, I guess like, how do you say bloggers and whatever? I mean, yeah, it's being used for, uh, it's like, I guess you could say for marketing and such. saturated. Yeah. It's getting really saturated with tons and tons of posts where the algorithms are now designed to show like the best of the best versus like things in chronological order. Mm hmm. And, like, to some extent, I do understand why they had to shift like that. But at the same time, of course, I think the struggle's never-ending. <laughs> it's really difficult. Yeah. I think it, like, forces people like us or any artists to feel like you have to constantly churn out content. Um, like, you know, and if you take a break or something, you get punished. And if right. you're overactive, you get punished. And, yeah, honestly, it's, like... It's good to train my mental health too, to know like what I'm in control of mm-hmm. and what the heart is behind all of this. Like, why am I doing this in the first place to remind myself of that? And um, definitely to like schedule in time for me throughout the week to rest and feel refreshed. Um, so I don't burn out from like, oh my gosh, I thought this post was going to do great and it didn't reach anyone. Yeah, yeah. I know. it. <sighs> the algorithm is always a pain. Um, how did you feel I don't know how did you feel your growth has been on Instagram because you've been on Instagram for a couple of years now so when did Mm -hmm. you feel like you were starting to gain more followers and then when did you feel that it became more steady wow um well I, I I like went on a super long hiatus once I started out my account uh, mm-hmm. 2018 and then all of 2019 pretty much I was like gone because I was focused in um, like teaching and real life stuff you know of course um, it's hard to do both and I know that it's going to be it's going to look different again when I return in the fall I'm not sure like how oh that's right goes, but I mean yeah we'll see how it goes I I think it really did start to grow when I started hosting crochet alongs mm-hmm. um, and I totally had no knowledge on it but like, like in real life too, I do like hosting and bringing people together and like teaching people new skills and things that help them feel, you know, uh, like they can improve at whatever it is that they're doing. And so, yeah, I think it's like the teacher in me, right? <laughs> when, I, of course. when I started these um, Tip Tuesday videos, it was like totally for fun. I had no structure and I was just doing as I wanted to. Um, and yeah, like you said, somehow it caught on, it it went viral on Instagram Mm -hmm. and then it was like writing the explore page for like three weeks. And like my page started to pick up a lot from there. 
And then so I started making it a weekly thing featuring different tips as I thought of them or even taking requests from people who are asking like, can you help me with this or this? And um, yeah, I think it was honestly through those videos that my page started growing. It's really crazy how, you know, different things can really push our pages. Yeah. I just it was like all an accident mm -hmm. you know how it happened for sure it seems like that's the trend right like great things end up happening when you're not uh trying to exactly Mm. I've heard that from so many of our mutuals about that you know the unexpectedness and then Mm -hmm. it's so easy to get caught up in the numbers and numbers are important I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that Mm -hmm. they don't mean anything but it's so easy to forget your sense of purpose when you're just focused on numbers. But at the same time, mm-hmm. a lot of people, including myself, sometimes fall into that hole and that trap of thinking that parts of our work are not valuable because they're not getting as much exposure. And that yeah. must mean some type of crazy conspiracy that like <laughs> our work's not meaningful. But, you know, it's it's very important to remember that you need to create work that means something to you and that you know as long as what you're making makes you happy then that's really all that matters but sometimes that's hard very hard I agree and it's always you know easier said than easier yeah easier said than done I always mix that up Um, (laughs) right and you know like crazy thing is like I on my end my Instagram is different where I haven't been able to see likes for the past like two years Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, mine has been like that for a while too, but I didn't realize that it's been two years already. (laughs) No, a lot of people say that they can still see theirs, including like my husband when he's on his account. Yeah, he can still see all the likes and everything. So I can see it on my personal account, but I can't see it on my business account. Hmm, I don't know then. I I can't see it on my personal either. Oh, really? I don't know. And I, I, yeah, I mean, Staying on topic, though, when you're talking about numbers, I agree. I think, like, uh, the biggest thing for me that was hard, not so much about, like, the likes or, you know, things like that or the number of followers, but Mm -hmm. it was hard for me to really, like, see the number of uh, unfollows. Oh, (laughs) yes. Yes, that is hard. to be honest, yeah, it was, like, I had to take – time to like because I started second guessing myself if I would ever you know post something that led to a lot of followers uh like leaving Mm -hmm. I had to really see like um you know how much I would let it get to me or if that was important to me to like really make my like stance known on a certain topic if needed um you know and um yeah I guess it was kind of like a growing pain that I felt like was it ended up being really good for me to learn it this way that even though it kind of like hurt at first you know because you're like oh my gosh people don't like my work anymore it was like I I usually just tell myself like oh those are ghost followers oh yeah exactly right to try to follow to you follow (laughs) back there are those accounts and there are also lots of spam accounts I get that Mm -hmm. um but it made me like it was kind of like exposure therapy I'm kind of like rambling here, but I know you're good. You're good. Yeah. It it was like the more that I got like exposed myself to looking at the stats, uh, not to be obsessed with it, 
um, but to inform my future posts and, you know, kind of like understand what was doing really well versus what doesn't, what content mm-hmm. I mean. Um, it helped me to be less, I guess, like, oh, it helped me grow thicker skin. That's the best way to put it, you know, and also just understanding like people's styles and tastes change over time and that's mm-hmm. okay. And along with the ghost followers, as you mentioned, um, yeah, so and it's it's hard because I feel like a part of us always will want to please everyone, but that's not yeah. it's not possible, you know. That's a really good point you make. Yeah, so it's it's, it's good to prioritize. <laughs> yeah, prioritize yourself. Yeah. You did bring up um, I can't remember what it was called. It's like blooming bud or something. That hashtag mm-hmm. is that yeah. different. Is that different than your Tip Tuesdays and what uh, you did for Gertrude? Or is that like, yeah. what is that? No, so that was the crochet along that um, I collabed with two other artists on. And that was like the like the event that we hosted. Our springtime event where each oh. of us released a different character or a different pattern each week. And then like the people um, who wanted to participate, they made our creations and shared their shared their makes using this hashtag yeah and Gertrude oh was i see so, that's cool that, that's what i mean by she was born out of uh, yeah okay, okay. Mm-hmm. so the other two crochet artists who were a part of this have mm-hmm. uh characters of their own that were included yes they did abby uh created a cute little bear and then uh, kim created the little bunny Oh, that's cute. And then you created the little birdie. That's yes. cute. Very the duck cute. chick that everyone refers her to as. <laughs> duck chick. The duck or the chick. Yeah. Oh, that's great. There will be a future summer crochet along that I am hosting again with a few other good friends. Oh, so that'd be good. Exciting. I look yeah. forward to that. That's exciting. <laughs> and you. I hope eventually I will be able to find Gertrude one day. Oh, I know. For you, I'll make it happen. <laughs> yes, I will be here. So, oh, um, a couple of things that I wanted to ask you before the podcast wraps up, mm-hmm. but I want to hear your take on advice that you would give for mm. possible new crochet artists who are thinking about starting. What are some tips or? What's some truth yeah. that you wish that someone would have given you before you started? Oh, definitely. So one thing is to allow yourself time. Obviously, it takes time to build your audience. It takes time to be known as a credible mm-hmm. pattern writer. Um, and ask questions. You know, the people in the community are actually super amazing. And everything I know is from learning from other people. And um, let me check my notes real quick. No, you're good. <laughs> cut, cut, cut. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> la, 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 la. Let me look at. I lost myself here. Um, I actually wrote a blog post on this actually for. Tip. Oh, you did. Okay, I that's did. cool. Yeah, I'll share it with you later if you'd like. No, this is good. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm happy to link this in the actual description. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. This would be good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought about like what I wanted to know as you asked me, and yeah, that first one that I said, time, 
um, I think I was really impatient with myself. I, I thought that the moment I opened my Etsy shop, like it was such, you know, a moment to celebrate. Mm-hmm. But then I like got really down and I, I was hard on myself because I was like, wow, I'm like not making any sales. And my shop has been open for two days. Oh, <laughs> you know? I know. And so, yeah, I think over time, like, you know, I was starting off making sales very slowly. I think it took me an entire month before my first pattern was sold. And um, it wasn't until I had like, uh, I added more content and variety Mm -hmm. to my shop that I started, you know, getting more views. And so that's another tip that I have um, for people thinking about selling or starting out with writing. How did people find you when you first started your Etsy? Did you just Mm -hmm. let Etsy kind of take care of that marketing or did you kind of market Mm -hmm. your brand on Instagram? Both, definitely both. Okay, my cool. Space started off with Instagram, uh, so most of the traffic is directed from Instagram. But you know, I hear Etsy like there's a lot of pros and cons. I would have to say, like, yeah, it, I've been you seeing eat up that. a lot of you know fees, but mm-hmm. it is super nice in the aspect that like you could really experiment with it, and it's got you. You know, it'll help you with their SEO. It'll help you with like how to. Uh, make your listings visible and like what goes into making a listing a good listing. And um, yeah, I I even when I first started, I paid like a dollar a day for advertising. And that brought my sales from like making one maybe every a few days to like 30 something a day. Wow, that's awesome. Congrats. So it was it was kind of like a gamble, you know, starting off as any business is mm-hmm. um but yeah I think I learned really when you invest more you get more out of it that makes sense that makes a lot of sense I think that's why some people will try to pay for ads and stuff right right I'm still too chicken to do that on Instagram but I'm thinking about it I, I used to it wasn't my focus before um but now you know if I can use it appropriately uh, I mm-hmm. think it really benefit here's papaya that's pretty cool. I have to say that that's like the Etsy versus like other platforms. Like, I don't know, Shopify, mm-hmm. Big Cartel, yeah, uh, Squarespace, whatnot. Like that. Um, I've been hearing that a lot recently where people have been fighting for one or the other. So mm-hmm. I don't think you have an Etsy anymore. Is that correct? You moved off of that platform? I was like, that was my plan. But I realize Etsy still brings in a lot of oh, okay. So uh, a good friend, also another crocheter friend, she advised me to keep it open, but you know, just your fees accordingly. And that was like super helpful advice. I hope that other people um, can also find helpful. Because um, like I said, yeah, they do a lot for you in terms of SEO and everything. Okay, cool. That is a big pro that I've heard and is, you know, the SEO and the marketing that they do, even though there's some things changing, is a big reason why some people choose to stick on Etsy and not leave. So Mm -hmm. that is super cool. (laughs) And then the very last thing I need to ask you is, where do you see Curious Papaya going in the future? Oh, it's like a bittersweet question. Oh, I for sure, like, it'd be my dream to do something full-time with Curious Papaya. And maybe I will, you know, uh, in the future, because we are planning 
um, to grow our family, of course, which means I will be mm-hmm. on maternity leave again some point in the future. Um, but yeah, I, I really want to uh, become a more established pattern writer and grow my, my site personally. And my long-term goal is to create a pattern book. So to write a book. Oh, cute. Yeah. I really admire all the artists that I follow who do that. And I have like my whole book collection and it's just like, there's something so satisfying about, you know, touching the pages of a book, like nothing beats that, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, versus finding your patterns online, for instance. And um, I do also hope that I can expand to doing YouTube tutorials. I, I feel like I, I really enjoy doing that. Uh, editing is not, you know, it's like my frenemy. Uh, I know how you feel. Yes, (laughs) I think it's just uh, pretty impossible to film myself in a quiet setting with like a little kid around all the time. So, you know, but one day, one day, maybe I'll be able to. I'll be around as much as I may be less active. I'll definitely still be designing and we won't really know till we cross that bridge. Okay, well, you know, I'm glad that you're not planning on leaving Curious Papaya mm-hmm. or anything. I was like, you said bittersweet. So I'm like, uh-oh. It was okay. bittersweet in the sense that, like, I won't be able to be as active coming Got this you. fall. Mm-hmm. Got you. As far as I can see, yeah. So when you go back to school in the fall, do you just plan on being a little inactive I suppose just like posting here and there or do you think it's Mm. one of those where you probably won't be able to pick up crocheting for months at a time Ah, I hope I can always take a little bit of time out of the week to work on that it's my therapy I hope you do too because it sounds like it's helped you a lot (laughs) yeah really sad yeah I I definitely want to be like methodic about it just because you know, if I don't have any plan of any sort, it's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. So I will have to see how things go after the first few weeks of adjusting back into full-time work. Um, but hopefully I'll have like, you know, a posting schedule and yeah, still be able to, yeah, I guess like actively engage with people, although it might just be a little less. But yeah. Oh, that's sad. sad. thinking about yeah. it. <laughs> Uh, that's life mm-hmm. for sure uh, work uh, uh, right <laughs> uh, we have to pay for bills <laughs> this yeah. is life um actually karina i actually had one thing i wanted to touch base oh on. of course go ahead the floor is all yours oh yeah and it was like a part of i think you were asking me like content creation tips yes 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 i don't did you ask me that earlier I can't remember. I know we bounced around a lot. Yeah, um, yeah which is normal. Yes, I would. We would love to hear about. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask about. You know, you know how how you figure out your lighting situation, yeah. the color palette you use, um, yeah, different sure. software, and just anything like that. That that'd be okay. awesome to hear about. Okay. Cool. Um, okay. Yeah. Do you want to ask me? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> You're good. You're good. So how how do you find, I guess, your voice? Um, I know a lot of people are not comfortable while filming videos and speaking. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm comfortable speaking in videos. I'm okay on a podcast because I feel like I have mm. enough room 
and it's not as timed to speak, but mm-hmm. for, you know, reels or I guess for some people, TikToks, <laughs> I don't know how I would be comfortable enough being able to find my tone of voice to fit into like a small dimension. Ah, I see. Well, I am for sure no pro, um, but there are a couple of things that I think I can share about that. I mean, for one, I totally was just having fun and putting myself out there and um, trying really hard not to be monotone Mm -hmm. when I'm recording myself. Uh, I think it's important to recognize that like, you know, like the whole goldfish attention span, like yes, humans are worse. Like goldfish apparently have a three second a- attention span. I don't know how they got that number, but like, <laughs> I, I think it's safe to say like humans probably have like a 0.2 second attention span <laughs> to grab your attention, right? A hundred percent. So I think the key for making, you know, videos like that is you got to hook them. So how do you hook them? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Things are so fast paced and like if you pay attention to the things that catch your attention or the things that you quickly scroll by, it speaks for itself, right? A lot of the videos that are like slow moving in the beginning and they don't really have, they don't tell you what it's about within the first like, you know, instant, you're like gone, you know? Um, (laughs) It's so sad to say, but I mean... It's understanding like human psychology and knowing what like, you know, hooks them, like I said, and like really taking the time to like constantly critique yourself Mm -hmm. and like the things that you want to, you know, the things you wish you could change. So I I really, I, it might be like something people consider being like as hard on yourself, but honestly, when I look at my videos, I can figure out like five different things I want. I wish I could have uh-huh. changed. And um, I think that's what leads to creating better content throughout the weeks, you know, as the, as time goes by. That's and, very um, cool. Yeah. Hopefully that's helpful. For no, that's super helpful. I think more observant. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people I think will have, have a lot of hardship with trying to find video or content that reels people in like literally mm-hmm. so i think that must be where yeah. they got that name, yeah seriously yeah, for sure um yeah. another thing that i find really impressive about your content is your thumbnails or the covers that you use mm. so how do you how do you plan that because i'm looking through your feed and there's like I see Zucker from Animal Crossing yeah. in a bathtub, right? <laughs> and you have other ones that are, you kind of, I don't know, some of them have words mm-hmm. and drawings that you've put on the cover themselves, which mm-hmm. I think is super cool. And then others of them are kind of like, they seem like in the moment, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, types of things. So how how do you decide and how do you get such like clear pictures? Tell us your secrets. Oh, yes. I'll share what I can. So um, for one thing, um, I think it's really important for any crocheter or any artist to really remember that 60, 60% of the time uh, is about content creation, mm-hmm, right? For sure. For it's about sure. Like, taking high quality photos. It's about making sure that the lighting's good. It's about editing them. It's about you know, caption writing and the use of hashtags. And it's like, maybe a small percentage of the time actually goes into making 
your creations, you know? Yeah. There's so many hats to wear. And so I think having a good heads up about that is, I hope it's helpful to people to recognize and be patient with themselves. And um, I definitely realized the pictures that I took that I knew weren't amazing or were like off centered Mm -hmm. or I don't know, just edited poorly. Like I was in a hurry to just post it and be done with it. And like in the end, I worked so hard on it. And like, why not work just as hard in the presentation portion of the whole thing? You know, I like Um, that. You can really make or break, yeah, all of the hard work you put into something if you take a lousy photo. Um, You know, and well, I think like, you know, photography style and the colors that I use, um, that's all like, personal like yes it's all very you it's very unique yes yeah oh thank you very (laughs) unique to for other people it's about preference right and I think some generic tips though as I said is good lighting whether that's natural lighting outside avoiding like direct harsh sunlight um or or if you're a night photographer like having bright studio lights at least or a light box that's super helpful and you just don't want to rely on like your fluorescent lighting in your room sort of thing or your flash on your phone, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, And then the second thing is thinking about your backdrop or the props that you use in your photo. Uh, You don't want it to distract from the main focus. So I feel like I notice a lot of people who crochet, they use like fluffy, fluffy blankets or rugs as their black blah blah blah, backdrops (laughs) (laughs) or like they take their pictures outside with like just a random background like of a house or a building you know and like a big test I feel like that would help people like assess whether or not it makes a good background is like if you were to remove your item of focus and you just took a photo of whatever it is that your is your background like would it be pleasing to the eye you know and like that's a very good tip yeah, I I think like maybe it's just me because I'm always like as I'm being inspired or enjoying scrolling through, like I'm being observant as well. You know, I'm taking mental notes of like, ah, that's like that's like something not to do or something to do, <laughs> you know. And yeah, I think that's one thing to really pay attention to. And yeah. But I mean I'm I don't know, I'm looking at your your go green oh picture yeah. uh-huh is that a picture that you took outside somewhere because that lighting is really good i mean oh. i definitely can't achieve that with my Thank light you. box ah uh, yeah. yeah that is natural lighting i always try to find a place kind of like in a shaded area so there's not like direct harsh shadows and lighting um but it's just on the sidewalk of next to my house (laughs) that's crazy you would have never really yeah yeah, you have never a lot of people I don't think would realize Mm -hmm. like the backgrounds of you know where things are and such (laughs) yeah I um I often post like behind the scenes videos on my stories um they're not like anything pretty so I don't like save it in my highlights or anything Mm -hmm. but yeah it kind of to give people an idea of like you know Instagram versus reality like, you can make something look really good within a frame, but you don't need anything fancy or expensive like expensive to, you know, accomplish that. I think it's pretty funny and ironic <laughs> that people will edit, you know, 
selfies and stuff, which is yeah. fine. But a lot of us crafters also edit oh. our items <laughs> too. So we're no different. We it's do. No different. What about the camera that you use? Are you just using your cell phone or do you have like yeah. a... I am just using my cell phone. Wow. Just iPhone 10, I think. iPhone 10. <laughs> so, yeah, it it's it's really important. I feel like having a good camera makes or breaks, you know, your content. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think it's like smartphone cameras are so powerful these days. Like, that's all you really need. But for sure, those... I know who like have the professional DSLRs, you know, like no doubt you can see the quality in their pictures. Um, but I know it's not accessible to everyone. So, yeah. Yeah. Especially for some small business owners who mm-hmm. are just starting out or, you know, don't have the funds for something like that. So exactly. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Do you use any fancy computer programs or mm. anything like that to edit your videos or anything like that? I don't use editing apps per se. Um, I just like use what the Reels or TikTok platforms offer, which is a headache in itself sometimes. I think like I heard Uh... people do it on a third party app and then they upload it onto those platforms. Um, I have a lot to learn in that area for sure. But for my photos, I mean, there's tons of free photo apps and you know, these are not paid ads. So when I shout out, this is just my personal preference. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Canva um, because it's free for like its templates and then the font. Oh, Canva is so good. I used that yeah. for my previous job. Oh, and uh, yeah, it's great. Experience. It's great. It really is. <laughs> yeah, there's Canva. And then I use Lightroom, uh, Adobe Lightroom for most of my photo editing. Um but yeah, I, I think it has more functions than like Instagram's editing app that it has directly on here. Um, oh, I don't use Instagram's editing app at all. I always yeah. use like third party. It's just right. not. Oh, what do you good. use? Um, I can't remember the name of it. It's on my phone. I think. Oh, gotcha. I use this like phone. So I, I have an Android. I don't have anything super fancy like some of you iPhone users. <laughs> Um, but there's an app on there called like Mal- Maldive or something like that. Oh, okay. Oh, no. And I use that to add text. Just very simple text for oh, just like my watermark. And then I use mm-hmm. another kind of like photo app called Beauty Cam as well. I know some Beauty people. Cam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's I know it's infamous for like you know catfishing people, but I, yeah. I use it just for my clay stuff. So catfishing um, your clay stuff. It's, it's too. <laughs> I think it's too much. Some some uh. of the stuff on there, like the the V chin, the Dorito chin stuff, too much. Too much editing. <laughs> too much editing for me. Yeah, I love um, when you edit your stuff. It's really Thank like you. Me. I appreciate it. Yeah. I am actually one of the people who believe that I'm still trying to find oh. a better way. I don't I only have a light box right now because I don't have access to a lot of good lighting. Yeah. I used yeah. to before I moved apartments. But now mm-hmm. I don't have any natural lighting, and I, I feel you. I just have to, you know, do what's best for now. So the light hopefully one day. Is great, yeah. From what I'm seeing, definitely it's working for you for sure. Thank you. I got to keep <laughs> working on it, but I'll get there one day. Yeah, I will get there one day. 
Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about with content creation? Mm-hmm. No, it was basically just the, yeah, that was it. So Okay, sounds yeah. good. Um, I think we are almost pretty much at the end of this podcast episode. Mm-hmm. I wanted to give you a second to, uh, you know, shout out anyone, shout out your own socials, oh. do what you got to do, hustle. Um. Just anything you want to say, the floor is all yours before, you know, the podcast ends. What do I say? Um, Yeah, well, thank you so much, Karina, for having me on your podcast. And I just, uh, I'm really moved that you would think of my art as something um, remarkable to, like, talk about. And (laughs) of course, (laughs) a lot of people in the community look up to your work. So I don't want you to discount the stuff that you've done. So. Yeah, Thank for sure. You. That's that's like amazing because um, you know, I never knew that this was, you know, that I would be able to take this and grow from it. Um, but yeah, I I feel like super motivated and encouraged to continue to pour uh, my creativity out through Curious Papaya. And good, good. Yeah. That's what we want. Mm-hmm. Always I, a good thing to hear. I'm trying to expand on my socials um outside of instagram and it's slowly but surely coming so like my email list on my website for instance for like new items and patterns um that's like something i started not too long ago and like my tiktok and um other things like my facebook page yeah we were all i'm just trying i'm one person but i'm really trying here <laughs> to manage all of that yes i understand yeah so i don't know if people have tips or connections on how i can like work towards establishing some of my goals like i mentioned in this podcast about you know creating content for a youtube video or writing a book like Ooh. I have zero knowledge of i feel you know and that'd be so cool to connect with people who might want to you know exchange our tips and stuff yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i have plans to have a couple of guests on in the next few episodes to do some youtube stuff Um, wow okay i don't have anyone writing a book yet but (laughs) i mean i'll let you know (laughs) i'll let you know if anyone is in that field um but i'm i'm assuming that curious papaya is also going to be at the same handle on tiktok so is it also going to be at curious papaya it is but the thing is i had to put an underscore because long story someone took it i took it and i deleted that account and i can't restore it it's so annoying i created a different account and then like basically indicated that i was like zero years old so they prohibited me wait what yeah they gave it they made it an option to put 2020 as like a birth year and I was like why would they hmm. you know I actually did that and I couldn't change it so yeah basically I had to make a new account well I guess some underscore. some kids are smart I guess I guess they're just trying to get ahead of it <laughs> yeah for sure oh another shout out thing is I will be doing my very first art fair oh yes yes uh, yeah at Santana Row that's in South Bay for those of you who are locals in California. Um, and yeah, and that'll be on June 12th. So I hope to see you there. June 12th. Awesome. Yeah, the podcast, this this episode is going to be out pretty soon, way okay. before June 12th. So cool. we're going to make sure everyone, please go visit Amy at Murphy. <laughs> Yeah, It'll be a good time. You. Make sure to adopt all the Gertrudes or oh. I will somehow adopt all the Gertrudes. <laughs> so, yes. 
but thanks so much for coming on um thank you for having me of course and thank you to all of the listeners who tuned in today super excited to continue on with this podcast we'll be hearing from a bunch of other creatives in the next few episodes as well and also make sure to follow amy at curious papaya on instagram and any of her socials and if you'd like to follow me as well you can find me uh just at peach but thank you amy thanks for coming on thank you thank you everyone and we will talk to you all later bye bye